Uh, we'll go ahead and start with, um, uh, we'll start into the gospel. And uh, if you'd kindly go to Acts 8 with me. Um, we're going to kind of cover the chapter in a bullet and then we're going to focus on the, the back half of that. Um, Acts 8 starts out with Saul persecuting and scattering the Christians. And just a, a brief overview of that. It was kind of interesting how God works. At first, we would think that when God uh, or when Saul comes along and starts murdering, persecuting, jailing the Christians, you would think that that was a bad thing. But how else can the word of God spread so quickly and so radically? And I find the way that God works to be incredibly unique. Think about it just very briefly. Man sinned. God's perfect. He cannot allow sin in heaven. God could have said, okay, open the gates, let everybody in. Sin and everything. Or he could have said, wipe out everything, including Noah, and let's start over one extreme or the other. But God always manages to find a way, doesn't he? He always finds a unique way. And that is, he sent his son Jesus Christ as our redeemer. Who would have thought of that other than God, our creator? He sent his son to die on a cross so that we can live forever with Christ, with God. I praise God for that. And without that, none of us would be around. We wouldn't be able to tell anybody about the great things that God has done. So, in God's infinite wisdom, he decides to persecute the church. I mean, he doesn't necessarily decide that. I think you get the idea, though. But all of a sudden, the Christians are scattered all over the place. The word is flourishing. Imagine yourself in this time. And you're Philip. Philip the evangelist. And you go to someone who's hurting, who needs God's word. And you would say, I've got something great to tell you. Yeshua has come and he has redeemed us, the Messiah. And imagine listening to that, just fresh out of the blue. You've got my attention, Philip, now talk to me. And that, he, uh, he and a lot of other evangelists, the disciples, the apostles, all telling everybody in all different directions around Jerusalem and even further, and it goes on and on and on for decades to come, and now even centuries. So here we are in God's house. Why are we here? Are we here to learn something new? Are we here to praise God? Yes, all of the above. But we're also here to learn specifically why Christ died for us, what good things can happen 
when we look at Awana, when we look at other ministries that this church can actually produce through Christ and around in our community. So we look at Paul, excuse me, Saul then, and he had persecuted and scattered the Christians. And we look down a little bit further and we see Philip in Samaria. Oh, that land of Samaritans, right? The, the prodigal, or excuse me, the, uh, the story about the, uh, the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan who actually had the right idea to serve one another, to be a brother regardless. And so now Philip is in Samaria and he's evangelizing. And through the name of Jesus Christ, he's producing miracles. That's an amazing thing because it caught the eye of Simon the sorcerer who could do tricks, an early magician, let's say. And we see that he follows along with Philip and he sees Philip do actual real ministry, actual real miracles, no tricks, no sleight of hand. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand and walk as an example. And he can't do that. And so he decides he's going to follow Christ. Kind of a sort of uh, conversion. Because as you follow down a little bit further, he wanted to purchase the power of God. And so the apostles decided... No, he's not going to be a, a valid follower yet, maybe later. But that's where that story ends. And it continues on in Acts 8 with the, the great story of the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. Philip continues all through Acts 8 as the primary star, the actor, let's say. And... Um, uh, it's, it's really quite amazing what all the things he had done. Let me read that passage uh, as we continue. Let me see, is that where we're going? Okay, we'll go back. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, I'm sorry. I didn't get the screen up there. I wanted to show you all of that as we were going through. But uh, let me read Acts 26 or Acts 8, 26, 40. And you're welcome to follow along if you'd like. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest, Thou what you readest, or do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? 
And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was, and he led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his surer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from this earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began as at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If you believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered to him and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, excuse me, and passing through, he preached in all of the cities till he came to Caesarea. I still have to state how amazing God is and how he allows things to work out so well. This eunuch, an African man, had traveled from Ethiopia all the way up to Jerusalem. And he went to the temple and wanted to know about God. I don't know if he was just an academic. I don't know if he was really searching and seeking to know the God, the creator of the universe. I suspect that somewhere along the lines he had heard about God and really wanted to know more. Imagine being in a chariot, which first of all is not an easy thing to ride, and how many days it took to go from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem. This is not a trip to Ocean City. This is a journey. This is a quest. And this man worked hard at it. Imagine also, it wasn't just him and the driver and two horses. It was his entire entourage. He is royal. He is a man of Candace's court. And Candace sent him up to Jerusalem to learn this information, this God. They're looking, apparently, for a God. One that's a little bit better than perhaps a wooden God, perhaps a stone God, 
or a spirit of some sort, but a real quest to go north. This took days, probably as much as a month, on a chariot clanking around on rough roads. They didn't have pavement. They didn't have tires. So this was work. This wasn't something comfortable. So he arrives in Jerusalem, and the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the scribes, they see this caravan coming in from the south. So what? He's not of the fellowship. He's not a brother. He's not Jewish. He's not Hebrew. And imagine also this eunuch coming up and saying, I want to know about God. Why would they consider denying him that? We probably saw that with our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's got to be in the same time frame considering the history. I want to say stiff-necked, which is probably a fairly accurate phrase in this case. He's a black man. He's not Jewish. He's from over there. He's not one of us. And when he asks about God, I got to get permission from somebody higher up to tell you. Where have we heard that before? So it's one of those strange things. Now, this eunuch probably spent days there in Jerusalem trying to find a teacher. Tell me about God. Genesis 1.1, can we start there? He's probably read a lot of the, 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 uh, the Old Testament uh, scribes, or um, help me out, word. <laughs> He's probably read a lot of this in uh, scrolls, thank you. And he's frustrated because he's missing bits and pieces. So why else go to the temple than to learn? So, frustrated, he's on his way back. Here comes Philip. Philip has been told to go from, um, well, to meet over in Jerusalem. To go by the desert road specifically that road. There's no hotels, there's no gas stations, there's no potty breaks like we have today. The desert road, I understand, was probably lined with criminals hiding in the trees or perhaps behind rocks. But Philip went. And on his way, as the gospel says, he met this man on a chariot. Divine intervention. Directly from God. Go to that chariot. And talk to the man that's on the chariot. That's basically what God said. So he goes and he listens and has the greatest opportunity. Those of you who have led someone to Christ and has seen their growth, ultimately their baptism, 
You know the feeling. Philip had the joy of meeting someone of a royal caliber and leading him to Christ. And the, the anxiety, the desire of this eunuch, can I please be baptized, is what he was saying. If you believe, then you may. In Awana, <clears throat> working in children's ministries, I've had the privilege of seeing this many, many times. I've lost count. Prior to that, I've worked in evangelism explosion in our church, door-to-door, as well as random opportunities. It's been a great training ground. When I see children, adults, parents including, who want to know the Word of God, who want to know why would I want to be baptized? How do I get baptized? What? Why Jesus? Why did Jesus have to die for me? And you have the opportunity to be filled. You have the opportunity to explain to a young child, a mom, a grandma, that Jesus died for our sins so that we don't have to pay that burden. And they suddenly get that stereotypical light bulb on the top of their head and they get it. And when kids in second grade get it and third grade and they understand it, you've got something that you need to hold on to. It's not just saying, great, congratulations, you're now a brother or a sister in Christ. No, it doesn't stop there. Disciple them, teach them, train them. That's what our ministry does. By teaching and training children, they get it. And all of a sudden, they're, they're memorizing God's word. And then suddenly, it all starts to add up. And then you get that little kid tugging on your shirt. Mr. Mickish, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure, what you need? I don't know how to get baptized. And then you ask him, do you understand what you're reading? Yes, tell me. And they do. Let's go talk to pastor. Let me give you another, shall we say, version of this same passage. You won't be able to follow along in your, your Bibles. Let's see, which one's this? Um, well, okay, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Let me talk about this very quickly. I apologize. Philip acted immediately to God's command without the complaining, without any complication. He was on the desert road. We kind of covered that. He did as he was instructed. Go to that chariot. Philip did what he does best. He evangelizes. And Philip didn't stop. And he was preaching from Azotus to Caesarea. It's amazing, really. Do we do that? 
I have to ask myself that frequently. Am I obeying God without the whining and without the complaining? Am I doing as he's instructed? Am I doing it my way or his way? And I often suffer with that. I wake up in the morning and I'm going, why am I still going to my regular day job when I know God has called me to serve? That's my problem. So, you know, it took a while, but I made that final decision. Now we're going out in faith. Don't get tired about telling the gospel to people. Never get tired about it. Some of you may think you're retired. Huh, I got news for you. You're not. Especially if kids are going to be coming into this building. They want and need to hear from you. All right, now let me give you this new revision. The Spirit told the Awana leader, go to that child and stay near him. Then the leader ran up to the child and heard the child reading from the Bible. Do you understand what you're reading? The leader asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited the leader to come and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the child was reading. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The child asked the leader, tell me please, who is God and who is he talking about? When the leader began with that very same passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus Christ. As they traveled along the road of discipleship, they came to some water and the child said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And the leader said, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your might, and that he is your redeemer, then yes. It's a little bit of a paraphrase, but it applies. As we start looking at kids, and as we start seeing children, more and more children coming into this building, and as we see kids out in the community, and as we reach out more and more into the community, we're going to see this very same scenario. Kids are going to be asking, how do I get baptized? How do I do this? What makes it so important in my life? We all need to be very prepared for those questions. Again, Awana can help you out with that. Does the Bible remain a mystery to children? We can't hide it under quote, the bushel basket. We need to let our light shine. We need to seek out children. We need to get on the floor with them because they're not going to come up to us unless you're pretty good at picking up heavy kids. I'm not. <laughs> Read God's word to them. Tell them of God's amazing love. And you know, um, more recently we've been trying to teach kids 
stories in the Bible, and it's working. I was just recently at a church, and my lesson to the Sparks kids, which are kindergarten, first grade, second grade, my lesson to them was how Jesus calmed the water and that the disciples were so scared and, you know, peace be still. You've heard the story before. And then I told the story again. And the kids looked at me like I had a third eye. And I said, there's a reason why I told it to you twice. Because I want you to go and tell your brothers and sisters this story. I want you to tell mom and dad on your way home from Awana that same story. And I want you to tell your friends at school tomorrow the same story. I want them to own it. I want them to be able to recite it, to make it part of them. And when kids tell these great stories that are from the Bible about Jesus, about Noah, about Jonah, all of these things are real. 1936, I believe it was, the Nazis, uh, I don't have the quote with me, but many of you probably know Joseph Goebbels. I've heard of him. And... Uh, Many of us are uh, probably of that age where we have studied World War II. Me personally, I'm a history nut. And Joseph Goebbels, in paraphrase, said basically, a lie told, told loud enough and long enough becomes the truth. Fearfully, we see that today. When things get slanted and twisted, and those terrible Jews and those terrible Christians we should be a little bit more open to Islam and other false religions. We, there's more than one way to get to heaven. Satan's lies and deceptions are doing some serious damage. But if a lie can be told loud enough and long enough and people believe it to be the truth, what happens when you tell the truth? loud enough and long enough, does it become a lie? No. The truth is the truth. God's word will not return void. Praise God for that. So when we teach children the truth, and when they look at their world and they're going, what's wrong out here? God said no. And man said yes. There's this paradox that the kids have to deal with. And who are they going to come to? They're going to come to you. Would you please tell me why abortion is legal? What are they thinking? When somebody comes to you and says that, you know they're on the right track. Now you can say, because God said, thou shall not kill. As an example. In Awana, some of you have already seen this. We really appreciate how the program works. Because systematically, it's working with the kids so that they can understand it on their level. 
In Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We want to be able to teach and show kids how to see the world in Bible-colored glasses. We don't need all of the deception from Satan. We don't need man's influence on God's Word. God's Word is God's Word, not man's Word. And so when we do train up a child in the way he should go, he will not depart from it. When we talk about Awana as a program, um, and the, those of us who are, are involved in Awana, those of you who are coming in, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm just going to touch on this in a few minutes. Uh, principle one, Awana is centered exclusively on the gospel. It doesn't have wonderful little stories about George Washington or uh, anything like that. It's exclusively the gospel. So those of you who are working in Awana, you're not going to hear anything new. It's all straight out of the Bible. It's high scriptural content. We're training kids to get into the Bible. More and more, we're switching in our curriculums and our handbooks to, they would memorize a passage, but we're encouraging them to go look in the Bible itself to find it. Acts 8, 26, go find it. It's not on page 32 in your workbook. It's actually in the Bible. And so there's more and more research that we're asking the kids to do. Go read that whole chapter. You may only be in third grade, but you've, you've got a brain. Use it. Now, how can I help you answer some of these questions? What did God say for Philip to do? That's the type of thing that we're asking the kids to start really prying open the Bible. And believe me, when mom and dad see that the kids are interested in God's Word, they become interested in God's Word. It's fun and engaging. Uh, we used to say it was fun and exciting, but it still is either way. When kids have a good time in Awana, for that matter, in God's house, they go to school the next day and they tell their friends, you know what we did last night? We got to throw a pie at the, the pastor's face. Duck. <laughs> I hope you like coconut cream. I mean, that's my favorite. That's the one I usually request. <laughs> hey, the missionary's coming. Let's throw a pie in his face. Okay, wear my cheap shirt. <laughs> but kids have fun. They go to school the next day. You know what we did, you know. And uh, sometimes, you know, the kids wear their Awana shirts to school. And other kids go, what's that? Oh, it's a Bible thing, man. We have a lot of fun. Hey, would you like to go tonight? It happens. Watch out. It's going to happen a lot. If you really encourage these kids to get deeply involved in God's house with age-appropriate things, they're going to jump at the chance. Next thing they need is that chariot because mom knows how to drive that chariot. We'll talk about that. 
want to build on strong leadership, we have a lot of training. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to spend hours and hours and details and 13 weeks of a course and all that kind of stuff. No. This is very simple, straightforward. You already know how to make kids happy. But maybe you didn't know how to secure your building to make sure that they're not abducted. That's some of the training we can offer. How do you lead a child to Christ? Do you say, you got to put Jesus in your heart. Ah, I, I saw that. We know what it is. That's a churchism. But the kids go, ow. Explain God's gospel to them. Then... That's some of the training, you know, then, then we'll see some of these kids come, come to know Christ. So there's a lot of training. There's a lot of uh, uh, regional events that we have that we would love to have you involved in. Uh, we'll be telling Pastor and uh, everybody else involved uh, in Awana about that. And so these are some regional events, not only the training, but games, Bible quizzing, things like that, that I know all the kids would love to jump in on. And the parents would too, there's no doubt. We also train uh, the children to serve the children. That is, again, age appropriate. The teenagers, we asked them to serve as mentors and as the, in some cases, just listeners. Because those kids who are, say, for example, in third grade, they want to have a high school buddy. This is my friend. And you probably may remember back when, uh, let's say, for example, high school. You were a freshman in high school, and a sophomore, a junior, a senior might have paid attention to you. And whatever he or she said was pretty much the direction you were going to go in your high school career. And it's kind of funny how if an adult... Uh, would buddy up to a kid and you sit down with a third grader and you say, how's things going? How's school going? Who's your favorite teacher? And you show an interest, whether you're a teenager or not. And the kids do respond and they appreciate very much an adult Outside of mom and dad. Mom and dad are the authority. They're no fun. They restrict you to your bedroom whenever you do anything, anything. <laughs> but when somebody else steps up and has an interest in a child, they do respond a lot. Finally, we're trying to encourage a relationship between mom and dad. The gospel says that mom and dad are the ones who are to teach the children when they're standing up, when they're lying down, when they're walking around. I don't recall the verse exactly at the moment, but I think you've probably heard it before. Mom and dad are charged by God to teach the children in that regard. And so... If they don't, we can. We, me, you, pastor, that's our job here. 
to evangelize, to teach others, and we will. And very briefly, uh, other things that Awana has is uh, a lot of training, which uh, we just had a, uh, um, a conference with 50 different workshops. Um, we have youth outreach, foreign missions, as well as uh, uh, the kids can work directly in the Iwana headquarters. Uh, MOVE is, uh, very briefly, um, you all have spiritual gifts you've been given. Each church also has spiritual gifts they've been given. And what MOVE does is not only analyzes the, the, this, the gifts that you have in various categories, but also identifies your strengths and your weaknesses. And then we come alongside and try to help you improve the weaknesses. Um, down here is in Malachi Dads and Returning Hearts is our men's prison ministry. Actually, it's women's now as well. Decatur, Illinois just picked up on that. And um, uh, we're trying to get the inmates to reconcile with their children because the children have been wronged. They've, you know, the, the father might have been doing drugs, might have been involved in something like a robbery or something like that. And uh, who would be at fault? It's the inmate. And the kids recognize this and they're hurt by it as well. And so at this point, we're trying to help the men reconcile with their children and rebuild their family either from within the prison or when they are released. And I wanna go down at the bottom down here is uh, our foreign ministry. So in this particular case, in the central Atlantic area, that's the Carolinas, Virginia, and uh, Maryland, we're supporting and working with churches, pastors, and Awana clubs directly in the Philippines. And uh, we're basically their backline support. And so missionaries are serving missionaries overseas. And that, by the way, is extremely successful. Thousands, thousands per week of kids are coming to the Lord in the Philippines. Uh, just as a quick side note, Awana did a survey to find out how many gospel presentations there were in 2015. And they discovered it was 3.1 million gospel presentations per week around the world through Awana. Okay, it's a couple of minutes to seven. I'm almost right on time. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> um, so just to brief again what we do, uh, we're the, we serve all of Maryland, um, but the gray areas I are actually with another missionary and his responsibilities are there, we back him up. And in the colored areas, those are our primary areas and he backs us up when he's able to, he just got out of the hospital. Um, so currently we're at about 60% of our support that we need per month and um, we will be going full time whether we have that support or not. So we are going strictly on faith that the Lord shall provide. 
And uh, so that's the financial side of the things. Um, the Lord has given me so many fantastic opportunities to serve our area and in the last uh, three years has doubled in size with the amount of churches that now have Awana. And uh, uh, as I was explaining to Pastor earlier, it's, it's not that we're trying to check off how many victories we have, it's how many gospel presentations in the Maryland area that are going out to the kids. And then the idea of trying to teach them to teach others. We want God's word to explode all over Maryland and especially Baltimore City where it's needed so desperately. And you know about all those riots that have happened in the past couple of years. Okay, let me close in a word of prayer. Pastor, was there anything else or did you want to close in prayer?